0: Hi, I'm Chaz Cable, and you're listening to Chisney Danil. Wait, no, no, sorry. Uh, can I take that again? Cool. Uh, hi, I'm Chaz Cable, and you're listening to Dreams Come True. This episode is brought to you by Sleep Paralysis Demon Incorporated. Tired of your demon lurking in the shadows, scaring you half to death while you can't move a muscle? Try the new Sleep Paralysis Maternal Demon. This demon will come into your room and make sure that you're all tucked in, give you a kiss on the forehead and check under your bed for monsters. They'll give you reassuring messages and brag about you to all their demon friends at Demon Church. Sleep Paralysis Demon Incorporated, the personal demons you did ask for. This is a story about you. Yes, you. You, with my voice in your ears. But who exactly are you? From what you can gather, you are a girl, no older than 12, but no younger than 10, sitting in the back seat of a turquoise sedan. If you were to look into the rearview mirror, you would see a pair of crystal blue eyes staring back at you, framed by straight, light blonde hair. That falls no lower than your shoulder. Based on your knowledge of how mirrors work and what they do, you can assume that the figure in the mirror is you. In your hands is an open book. If you were to look at it, you would see pictures of fish and eels with little details about them, what their scales are like, what they eat, where they live. And as you would look at the book, a hand much bigger than yours, with crimson red nails much longer than yours, would gently tap the book, and if you looked up, you'd see a pair of eyes very similar to your own, or at least the ones that you assume are yours from the mirror, framed by hair that is longer and wavier than yours. If you were to guess, this is probably your mother, sitting in the seat in front of you and to your right. Over the hums of the engine, this woman that you assume to be your mother speaks to you. Darling, you shouldn't read in the car. You'll get a headache. You would then lower your book and nod your head, and she would look at you and you'd see her face brighten and fill you with a familiar warmth. Her eyes would give you a feeling that you had always associated with and called love. She moves her hand slowly away and rests it, on a shoulder to her left. You look in the mirror to see the focused, deep blue eyes of who you can assume to be your father. He looks to his right, revealing his short straight brown hair and short straight brown stubble. When he does this, you would take a moment and look through the glass between the two of them. At this frame, you'd see an open road, a never-ending sea of asphalt, yellow stripes waving at you in the summer heat. It's empty now, and for a moment you just take it in. You've always liked the open road, haven't you? It feels like freedom, kind of the opposite of your feelings toward open water. Why would you think of water at a time like this? You're on the road. You're with your family. You shouldn't be focusing on your fears, focusing on your anxiety. You should just be in the moment with your family, on your vacation. Money's been tight. These things don't happen often. Is that your fault? Are you the reason that they're struggling? Stop. Breathe. It's okay enjoy the moment if you worry yourself to death you die twice so you take a breath and collect yourself then you look back toward the road in front of you something is off you can't quite make it out so you lean forward in your seat against a taut seatbelt it looks like the road just ends you don't see a turn just just an ending, a drop-off. Like if a bridge was out and no one put up a sign. You're perplexed. That doesn't make sense. You look at your parents and they're in their own world, driving as if the road goes on forever. They just keep driving. Why do they keep driving? They're not turning. They're not stopping. They're not doing anything. They're just going forward. Your heart starts to beat out of your chest. It beats harder and harder as you approach the water. They're still not turning. Are we going faster? It feels like you're going faster. You can see a little over the edge now. Oh, why could you be riding into It's Oh, dear. It looks like it's water. Like you're driving right into the ocean. Now's the time to panic. You try to scream, but nothing comes out. You can't talk to them. Why can't you talk to them? You're about to drive into the water. There's no time. There's nothing you can do. You close your eyes and you grip your seatbelt hard, bracing for impact just as the wheels head over the edge. They say in moments like these, time can freeze. Our brains start to process and think at such a high speed that everything else is slowing down to almost immobile, like we're using the next potential 50 years of brain power condensed into a matter of seconds. This didn't happen to you. Instead, it was almost instantaneous and absolutely painless. You open your eyes, slowly, and everything Everything's okay. You're alive. And the people in the front seats are alive. Your parents are alive. You're still driving, but it doesn't look like the air outside the car. It's just blue. Did that really just happen? Everything is okay, you're just driving. Then it hits you. You're being driven underwater. You could always drive underwater. This isn't news to you. It's how life is. So why did you panic? The three of you are driving to the world's first underwater hotel. That was the whole plan for this vacation. How could you forget? Even if water frightens you, you know that you're safe with them. They'll always protect you. You're fine. Just a little anxious. You look around and take in the new atmosphere. It feels tight. Like you're under pressure. And you are, so that makes sense. In fact, everything makes sense. Everything seems to fit. Outside your window, you see a school of fish just swimming along. In a piece of coral, you can make out an eel reaching its head out. Everything fits. Well, except for that. Something out of the corner of your eye catches your attention. S- something that doesn't belong. You see something on the windshield. As soon as you try to focus on it, it vanishes. Like it was never there. But if you look away, it shows back up in your peripheral. You try to make it out without directly looking at it. What is that? A sparkle? A small bright light on glass, a shimmer you can't quite make out, it's almost, it almost looks like a bright spiderweb. And as you try to make out this shimmer, you notice something else, something spectacular. You see a sign, and then you see it. You see the world's first undersea hotel, the Glass Palace. You're here. Pillars of glorious, glistening glass illuminates the water around you. You knew it was called the Glass Palace, but you never believed it would look like that. Something plucked out of your imagination, with prisms refracting the most beautiful colors onto the road. As it turns into a translucent tunnel, which seems to take the water out, and you're driving in air again watching the rippling water surround this titan of architecture. The curves and domes were spectacular, reminiscent of the Palace of Agraba, but made out of a clear, thick, indescribably beautiful glass. The closer you get, the more you see that the glass is just the first layer. Beneath it is a pristine white which lets the light reflect all kinds of amazing colors but of course makes it so you can't see inside of any of the rooms (laughs) that would be ridiculous then you could spy on anyone the car pulls in and a valet is waiting to take your father's keys and park the car they exit and grab some luggage it's not much just enough for the weekend then You head back to school, hopefully with stories to tell. They open the back door for you, and you unbuckle your seatbelt, ready to hop out and explore, but but your legs won't move. It's like they're frozen. No matter what you do, you can't get out of the car, and you start to feel the pressure again. You feel the water pushing against the outside of the bubble, like it's trying to burst in, and you can't move. You cannot do anything. Until your mother offers you her hand, and you take it, instinctually, and everything's okay. The water is out there, and you're here, you're safe. You exit the car with no further issues, and you're good to go, and you enter the palace in between your parents, and you expect more than is possible from the inside. And once you're through the palace-sized sliding glass doors, you realize that the inside is not so spectacular. I mean, it is to you, you who were born into a middle-class family who is only here after saving for years and winning a two-night stay. So this lounge was something glorious, like a five-star hotel. Just not as regal as you expected based on the outside. It's very large. There's a seating area made up of what looked like very comfortable couches and a large television playing the news, a desk at the opposite side of the room with a clerk at it, and there's a really neat aquarium at the far end past the couches. You tug on your mom's sleeve and point at it, asking permission to go to look at the fish with your book in hand. She looks down at you smiles and gives you a nod as she heads over to the desk with your father you go to this aquarium and it is massive it literally spans from floor to ceiling the closer you get to it the more you realize it's not an aquarium it has no borders you're looking out of a glass wall and the fish are looking back you are in awe of what you see they're free And just visiting. Oh, a lot like you. And you're taking it all in, enjoying the visual. There are some beautiful fish out there. Angels and lions and all kinds that you've ever read about. Oh, but what's that? Out of the far corner of your eye, it's not a fish. Not one you recognize, at least. It just kind of looks like a sparkle. A shimmer. It looks pretty big but you can't focus on it. Reminds you of the car. As you look closer at the shimmer, a hand touches your shoulder, and you look up and it's your father. You point at the glass to show him the weird shimmer, but as soon as you look again, it's gone. In its place is a clownfish that seems to be looking right at you. Your father looks at it, smiles, and takes your hand to meet your mother. They talk to each other, but you can't make out their words. They take you to a beautiful, clear elevator, and you ride up. Floor 49, nearly the top. You zoom up, flying safely through the ocean, riding up one of the most glorious pillars, one of those ones you saw earlier. It is spectacular. You can see squids and schools of fish glistening in the water. A few sucker fish are on the outside of the glass. As you fly past them and enter your room. You drop off your luggage with your parents and take a moment in the room that will be yours for the weekend. Laying on the bed closest to the massive full wall window that faces the ocean. You aren't looking at them, but you can sense that your parents are fighting. It seems like they've been doing that a lot more lately. Is that your fault? Are you the cause? Are you responsible simply because you were born? You close your eyes hard and try really hard to stop thinking about it. After a moment, you catch your breath and quell the anxiety. You open your eyes. The three of you are outside the hotel aquarium. Apparently, they have a path that lets you walk through clear tunnels and see the ocean firsthand. You don't remember walking here, or learning what this was. Segways are always weird. Maybe you just zoned the transitioning from your room here. A sort of highway hypnosis. That has to be it. No more thoughts about it or your anxiety, you're going to take in the ocean safely, no matter how afraid you are. It can't hurt you here, you're in a glass castle, your own personal safety palace, and you know not to throw anxious stones. You're safe here, no matter the pressure. The first exhibit is not too deep, just some super pretty fish that you've seen before with some lovely colors that comfort you. You didn't know how beautiful they were outside of the books. It seems that experience is more worthwhile than reading, even if it is more... more dangerous. These fish are traveling in schools, and they seem to be minding their own business. Up ahead, you see the manta ray section, and the rays are the size of small planes that block out the sun as they fly. They look like they have little smiles underneath their diamond shape. You want to show your parents, but, but they seem distracted. Your father is looking at his phone, and your mother is just staring daggers at him. You can tell they're upset, you can always tell. Passive aggression is their second language. They aren't paying attention to you, so you wander ahead. What's in the next room? The sign says sharks, but you didn't read it. Why would you? You're upset, and you're trying to stay calm. It's not easy. No one no one ever said it would be, so you press on. The water looks fairly empty on this part, as well as the tunnel. The other sections were fairly full, but you're alone in this section. Probably better that way, right? You're the only one who can hurt you when you're alone. And you look out the walls, and you can make out a few fish. They look like sharks. Oh, you've always loved the sharks in your book, especially the hammerhead. The placement of their eyes and mouth always made you giggle. Oh, one just swam by the tunnel. It was huge, and you immediately went closer to the glass to look at it. Its right eye rolls over to you, and you make eye contact with this hammerhead shark. Or... (laughs) Fifty percent of eye contact or looking right into one eye, which, to be fair, I think that's all any of us are capable of. It pauses in front of you, you wave at it as if to say hi, friend. It seems to understand, and its fin wiggles back as if it were trying to reciprocate. You reach forward and touch the glass, and the shark does the same, and the lights behind you get brighter and create a reflection of you on the glass, as if you were looking at yourself in the water. And as soon as you notice this, you pull away, but your hand won't leave the glass. You're stuck staring at yourself, surrounded by water, and a shark that has not moved and is staring at you as you struggle. You yank your hand away, and the shark swims up to some other part of the tunnel. And as you gather yourself, you look back at the reflection. You still see yourself in water, but You're translucent enough that you're back in reality, except something's on your hand. Why did your hand stick to the glass? You You look and you feel it. Why is your hand wet? Why does your entire body feel wet? You take a step and your socks squish in your shoes and your hair starts to feel cold and damp against your neck and face. What's going on? The reflection is solid now, and you can see yourself floating in the water and suddenly you cannot breathe. It feels like water is filling your lungs, you're panicking, flailing around the room as the entire glass tunnel starts to shimmer with dozens of small spiderwebs and you collapse. They say in moments like this, seconds can turn into minutes can turn into hours. In moments of panic, when the brain starts to lose control of reality, it sinks into itself using the imagination to comprehend what is happening. Using hours to comprehend what is happening in a matter of seconds. You collapse, you fell backwards, but, but someone caught you. You look and they're, they're your parents. They look worried and your mother gives you a huge hug. The contact is nice, you feel safe again. You didn't realize you were shaking until you stopped. You definitely didn't notice the tears until they dried. You were safe with them. As safe as you could be, right? They took you back up the elevator to your room. It must have been late. The water didn't have the glorious light that it had before, just a still inky blackness. You weren't afraid. You had your family. That's what family is for. They're there for you when you need them. They lie you down in your bed. And they head to theirs, and give you a reassuring kiss on the forehead before you all went to sleep. It must have been a few hours later when a light pierced your dreary eyes, like a white sparkle that is bright enough to drag you out of sleep. What is that, you must be wondering. You rub your eyes and follow it to the window wall. Which lets you look right into the deep, dark ocean. You know this shimmer. You've seen it before. Only this time, you can really focus on it. It seems to be settled right where your forehead would be in the reflection on the glass. You're not afraid of the water anymore. You have your parents with you. They'll keep you safe. So you don't panic when you see yourself in the water. You don't panic because you can see your parents in the reflection. Your mother is in front of you to your right, and your father is in front of you to your left you can see them and you realize everyone in the reflection is sitting the shimmer is now starting to spiderweb over your entire face and you feel an impulse and without thought you touch the shimmer your finger is wet the shimmer spreads but you're calm you're fine you're breathing deep in the backseat of a car, as your mother signs I love you one last time, then the windshield chatters. They say in moments like these, we take as long as we need to, to cope with what is about to happen. Time is a wave, it ebbs and flows. You were ready to go after living through the night, in just a matter of seconds. The Dream. Hotel Under the Ocean. But I have a bad fear of open water, so it was scary. Sent in by Hana. Thank you so much for listening to Dreams Come True, Episode 3, A Matter of Seconds. This show is only made possible by you, the listener, and the dreams you have. If you'd like to submit a dream to be transcribed into a short story, please send it to Radio at gmail.com. That is dreamcastpublicradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to support me, find me on iTunes and write a quick review. I'm not sure exactly how Apple works, as I have yet to sell them my soul, but I hear that it's really good for up-and-coming podcasts if you leave a little review. However you feel about the show, or if you want to lie and make me feel really good, I would appreciate that. Follow me to stay updated by following Dreams Come True underscore pod on Instagram, and the Catawba Alumni Artist Collective on Facebook. Special thank yous go out to Sean Kamick for his endless support, Caroline K., my own dream come true, for her constant advice, and Hana, last initial, for her dream. And of course, Sleep Paralysis Demon Incorporated for giving me my own maternal demon. Her name is Penelope, she loves to make me tea, and I adore her. Until next time, people, sleep tight! This is the story of two, part two. And this, this is my story. My side. You know, it's true what they say. Twins have a sort of telepathy. We can't communicate with our thoughts, per se, but I've always known when something was wrong with him, and and I think he can, too. No matter how far apart we were, I could tell. I've always been so open about it and he's, well, he's been kind of closed off and I I guess that's where his strength is, being the strong, quiet type, but, but I can still tell. That's how I knew just how excited he was the day he was chosen. He didn't show it on his face, but I could feel it beaming out of him. This had always been his dream. So when he got in his shuttle, there was no way I could tell him not to go. Tell him that I couldn't be that far away from him. That I needed him to be here. No, I had to say goodbye. I had to be strong, like him. I think he could tell. And he gave me a big hug and and he lied saying, See you soon, sis. It was a nice lie. That was was a couple years ago. I woke up this morning. I woke up this morning to the sensation of drowning. I I couldn't breathe. It passed pretty quick after I was awake. There's no water near me. And I looked out to the stars. I don't know what's going on out there. But something is very, very wrong.